Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome to the Barreled Up podcast. I'm your host, Jim Riley. You can find this pod wherever you get your podcast, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure to turn on that auto-download feature to get all our episodes as soon as we drop. We've got a lot coming at you. I want you to miss a single thing. And today on the podcast, I am honored to be joined by Andrea from Scout Girl Report. Make sure to check her out on Twitter. We'll find out from her more about where you can get her content because it's really good. I don't want you to miss that either. Andrea, how are you today? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we have a lot to get into because we're at the halfway point in the season. We just finished up with one of baseball's marquee events, the Home Run Derby, the All-Star Game. What is your take? We're going to start there, and then we're going to get into some of the first-half conversations, talking about you know teams, individuals, some disappointments, some surprises. But to sort of put a bow to finish up on this mid-summer classic Homer Derby All-Star Game. Let's start with the Home Run Derby. Your thoughts on because there was there's a lot of feedback after the event where Pete Alonso was not getting good pitches to hit. So should we have uh, a machine pitching? We had Adley Rutschman's dad pitching, not going fast enough. So Adley maybe didn't get to hit as many home runs as he could. And then you had the fact that, and all credit to him. That last round, that last 30-second bonus that Randy Rosarena had, I think he took 45 swings in 30 seconds. The ball was flying out. He had two home runs at once. <laughs> what's your feeling on the home run derby? Do we leave it alone? Do we not touch it? What, what, what's your, what was your takeaway from, from the derby? Uh, well, first of all, I was so impressed that Randy Rosarena made it as far as he did, because mm-hmm. I was really nervous that he was just going to hit a bunch of line drives. Um, mm-hmm. But it was incredible. He made it that far. Um, for the format, though, it was hard to tell like what was actually happening because there were so many balls hit. So in that last 30 seconds, I thought that he had won. Me too. If you just guess based off the launch angle and the exit view, I was like, oh my God, you know, I was mm-hmm. already screaming at my, mm-hmm. my, my TV. I was so excited. So I don't know what happened to the rule where you have to wait for the ball to land before mm-hmm. you throw the next pitch. Uh, but 
I kind of was hoping that would come back because it was really tough to follow like this. It really was. I, I found that ESPN had the two broadcasts. They had the traditional broadcast where you had on the left side of the screen over the pitcher's shoulder and then on the right side of the screen, the camera trying to follow the ball as it left. On ESPN2, they had the StatCast version, and the StatCast version had a much better camera angle where they sort of had it parked, uh, sort of offset to the right behind the batter, so you could see the ball actually going off the bat. And that's what me and my son were watching because, to that point, we could not keep track of what was happening with the traditional broadcast. And I think ESPN, I think, I think, one of two things needs to happen. They need to change the format where they slow it down. The only problem is that means less home runs, right? You, you love the thought of Julio Rodriguez hitting 41 home runs in a round. That just jumps off the screen. That's something that if you're on Twitter or you're on MLB.com or wherever you get baseball news, you are you're going to see that. And you're like, oh, my God, I, I need to click on that and check it out. And – 10 home runs in a round doesn't do it. So that's, I think, how we got to this point. And you're wondering when that moment was when they didn't have to wait for the ball to land anymore. I think it was Bryce Harper when he won the Derby in Washington because his dad was pitching to him. And the last few pitches, he was close. And I think they just let him keep going. They're like, mm. you know what? Forget it. I think that was what baseball took away from that. It's like, we just can't do that. Bryce almost lost the Derby at home with his dad pitching with all of those great storylines because we were waiting for the ball to land. So forget it. Let's, let's do away with that. Cause nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares about that anyway, but it's gone. It has, it definitely feels like it's gone too far to the left or too, too far in the other direction with the Derby. But in general, did you enjoy, did you find yourself enjoying this Derby more than Maybe in years past. I always love the Derby. So it yeah. Just, and and to see um I'm a Rays fan, so to see, you know, one of their guys in it was incredible. So I really always enjoy the Derbies. I thought Rodriguez was unbelievable. Yeah. The forty one home runs, that was really something special. Even uh Rushman batting and switching sides Which, was really cool. Uh so yeah, I think there were a lot of like cool moments during the Derby this year. There were a lot of talking points that came from the Derby. I know we keep going going on about this, but like what if Adley had hit right-handed the whole time. I think he probably goes north of 30, right? He hit everything out right-handed. Left-handed, yeah. he was struggling. It felt like his dad was able to find that spot easier with him batting right-handed. Right, and he got gypped a bit because he out-home-runned a few of the other guys. Uh, yes, he did. So yes, he did. That's just bad luck, but yeah. Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts hit 11. So Vladdy, who ends up winning the thing, sort of got a gimme in that first round with Mookie hitting 11. Right. And if Mookie, if, if Vladdy had gone up against Adley, Vladdy's not in the finals. Right. So, right, exactly. The, the, the format right now with that head-to-head, -head, you can kind of get left out. Even if you have, you could have the second highest total or the third, well, the third highest total. But if you go against the second highest total, you're out in the first round. Right. Um, yeah, Luis Robert, by the way, that, I mean, everything looked easy for Robert in that round. How about the All-Star game? Did you enjoy the All-Star game? I felt like this year we didn't have as many moments 
in this all-star game. It kind of, it kind of, it kind of fell flat for me. The start was really cool with, with uh, Garrett Cole on the mound. And, you know, you had a Rosarena made a great catch. You had those Garcia make a great catch, but we didn't get, we didn't get any big moments from Otani. We did not get any real head to heads that I was looking forward to. They had the moment where Nate Evaldi was mic'd up, but Jonah Heim wasn't, it would have been cool to have the two mic'd up like they did with the Yankees the year before. All-Star Game thoughts from you in general. What'd you think? For me, it fell kind of flat. Great moment for Diaz late. But outside of that, I kind of, I don't know, I, I started flipping around doing other stuff on my iPad while I was watching the game. Well, the first thing that kind of annoyed me was that they did not announce Shane McClanahan and Wander Franco during the introductions. Mm -hmm. So they just like skipped right by them because they were focused on the Mariners. And then they went straight to, I forget which player it was on the Rangers who was in the reserves, mm -hmm. but that was like, that kind of put me in a bad mood for the evening. <laughs> right. right. But um, yeah, I mean, the game was all right. It wasn't you know anything crazy. I think we've seen more exciting games, but it was cool to see the National League actually win a game yes. this time around. Uh, I think they said it was since 2012 that they had won. It was a nine-year nine losing streak that they put an end to last night. Yeah. I, I was hoping your your guy Wander, I was hoping your boy Wander had gotten that home run in the bottom of the – was it the bottom? Well, that would have been the bottom of the ninth because if we had a tie – Going into that's all I was rooting for. The last two innings, three innings of the game, I was rooting for a tie. So we got the home run derby tiebreaker. That's all right. I wanted at that point. That's why I kept watching the game. Well, because I want to talk about it, but really the entertainment value for me fell on. I hope we end up in a tie so we get the home run derby tiebreaker. That would have been so cool. And it really did feel like a storybook moment when uh, Rodriguez came to the plate in the ninth, also. Mm -hmm. I, I thought for sure something was going to happen there, but unfortunately it didn't. You know, right. I, I wasn't paying attention to it, but what happens if we get the tiebreaker and half the guys have left? Like all the starters are gone, right? Like Otani, if you get to a tiebreaker, don't you want Otani and Vlad in the home run derby to win the thing? What I, I wasn't watching the dugout. I can't remember off the top of my head if they were still there, but I, it would have been fascinating to get to that point and the starters are gone. Like they're, they've showered They're They're, you know, maybe they've got <laughs> something else to go into. They're like, yeah, I'm done. No, wait, come back. Come on back. We need you to show it. We, we need you back because we need a, we need you in the home run derby here. Um, I don't that know. I, something. Wouldn't it? I hadn't been, I hadn't been keeping track of that. Um, well, it, anyway, the all-star game, the home run derby, uh, really a, a couple of fun nights for major league baseball. And I think in the end, uh, it, it was a win for baseball with this uh, all-star weekend. And now we kind of have this sort of low moment as we gear up for, you know, some games to start this weekend. Let's talk with the second half about to start. Let's, let's put a wrap on the first half and some of the disappointments. Let's get the negative out of the way. We're going to get to some of the positive, but let's get to the, let's, let's just, Clear out the negative. Let's clear the air here. Biggest disappointments that you have taken away from this first half. Let's focus on sort of team performance. And then we'll talk about some players that have maybe disappointed. Obviously, there's those that stand out. But is there, you know, Mets and Padres, we're, we're looking at you. 
Anything that really, really jumps out and stands out and is is maybe the most disappointing element from you, uh, from your perspective from the first half? Um, I would say the most disappointing thing is all the injuries that we've seen for pitchers. Yeah. Um, and and then on top of that, like the stolen bases were supposed to be like kind of crazy this year, and they haven't been as influential as I think they thought they would be based on the mm-hmm. new rules. Um, but in terms of like teams and players, I was pretty disappointed with the Yankees so far, just because I thought they were going to do really well. I thought they were going to really be competing for the division again. And mm-hmm. their offense turned out to be like very thin. They're relying on a lot of guys that they uh, had to sign as minor league free agents and pick up on waivers. So that was a bit disappointing. I'd say. Yeah, the Yankees have certainly been a disappointment. And without Aaron Judge, it's rough. Uh, it, it's a tough – it's going to be a tough go for them. I think the season is looking like it's going to be a disappointing season for the New York Yankees. But I, I don't think we can get through this part without talking about the Mets and the Padres for not just this season, but the ramifications that this could have on baseball – and spending because right. you were at a point where the Mets are spending over $300 million. The, the teams that have the three highest payrolls, the Mets, the Yankees, and the Padres, and none of those teams are performing as you would have expected, as their fan base is expected. And if you are looking at the teams that are succeeding, you're looking at the Cincinnati Reds, you're looking at the Tampa Bay Rays, you're looking at the Baltimore Orioles, the teams that are not spending crazy money. And they're looking at the talent that they've been able to develop. So I, I think we have to sort of, you know, put the spotlight on the Mets and the Padres for this kind of disappointment. Again, not just having ramifications for this season and lost money this season, a lost, potentially a lost season for the Padres with Juan Soto. Um, you know, the Mets situation and how that has gone. This is really something that, transcends just the 2023 season and as we move on and we start thinking about players you know not getting the contracts they deserve or not having enough teams in on them and not getting paid this is the argument for Oakland when they go to Vegas to say well no we don't want to spend we just we want the prospects and I think that could really that could have an interesting effect on the sport when we get to the next CBA conversation in a few years any thoughts from you on on that thought process that what the Mets and Padres are doing this year could have financial implications for years to come? It is an interesting thought, and it's uh, honestly not one that I thought much about until now. But my initial thoughts on that are just that it's unfortunate when things like that happen because I do think it speaks – more to like there's so many factors that goes into a successful team mm-hmm. and to say that you know payroll is a, a big influence on why you know just because you have spent a lot of money doesn't mean you're going to be good that is the case and we've seen that be the case but I don't think that should hype up these teams that don't spend like right. for example the Rays like they're a fantastic team they're like the best in baseball right now maybe mm-hmm. second best with the Braves depending on which side you want to take there but mm-hmm. Uh, it, they would be better if they spent. I mean, that's just, if they had 
the money and the flexibility to add like a big name player, just one. Right. You know, I'm not saying replace the whole team, but just a big bat or something like that, a really high end starter or a leaf pitcher, that's not going to hurt anyone. And they did spend with Zach Eflin this year. Mm-hmm. When they do spend from time to time, they use the money wisely. Right. But, and, and that's the key though, using that money wisely. And I don't think that every team necessarily knows how to do that. Right. Though the Padres, I don't, quite understand what's happening there because they do have so many it doesn't make any sense it makes no (laughs) No, sense none at all you have to think i don't want to speculate but i don't know something fishy is going on there because there's no way that all those players have not been you know teaming up and performing the way they should be i don't really get it at all the padres i mean when they're thinking about hot seats like who could be on the on the way out who's you know, who's on the chopping block. I don't think it's Bob Melvin. I don't think that's it. So you start to hear people rumble about AJ Preller and can you, you can't fire AJ Preller. Look at what he's done. He's given you Juan Soto, you Darvish, Blake Snell, Josh Hader. I mean, this team is, is, is loaded with talent. Thanks to AJ Preller and his, Aggressiveness. I cannot imagine a world where Preller is the guy who falls on the chopping block. I wonder if this feels like like what happened with New York. They fired the hitting coach. This feels like San Diego, and it may be getting too late to do this, needs to send that symbolic message that this is unacceptable and it's so bad that we're letting, you know, the pitching coach go or we're letting the hitting coach go or something to that degree because it just seems like something needs to happen because it does not make sense that this team is under 500 and is going to be in the fight of its life to to get the last wild card spot. Right, it's unbelievable. I thought for sure they were going to be you know, a for sure playoff team, you know, all this stuff they were said. I had them as, I don't remember if I picked them for the World Series, but I had Mm -hmm. them going really far, if not. Well, and speaking of World Series picks, we have to throw the Cardinals under the bus as well because the St. Louis Cardinals, that was my pick to win the World Series. And Uh that (laughs) that looks really bad right now. But I will say this. I had Ronald Acuna Jr. as my NL MVP and I had Otani as my AL MVP. And those two are, are locks at this point. That mm-hmm. World Series pick, the Cardinals, Oliver Marmel. I think he's done at the end of the year. I think if the Cardinals, this is my wild card speculation, if the Cardinals can get Yadi Molina, who would who just was a manager during the WBC, can convince him to manage and, and, and come back into that Cardinals clubhouse, that that's the way they that that's the way they go. This Marmol thing, I I think this falls all on on Ali Marmol. I I I don't think there's any other way to look at it. Pujols and Yachty were huge influences in the club on the clubhouse last year. They're both gone. Um, I know Pujols is back in 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 some facet, but he's not in the clubhouse every day, talking the young guys up and 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 having that same influence. I think Marmol is bye bye. I think he's one of the managers that we watch. That he will be. The day after the regular season, Marmel's out. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they really took me by surprise this year. Mm-hmm. I thought they had the division locked up, like you said. Um, yeah. And 
just the offense has been like kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a mess. I don't, it's another situation where things just aren't clicking. Let's get to, let's, let's take a positive turn. Now let's talk about some of the first half surprises, the first half, just the positive uh, from this first half. Cause there's been a ton. Uh, I do think that the new rules have breathed new life into baseball. We got more action. Uh, at, at a quicker pace, and that has been great for the sport. I think you've got some teams that are really, I mean, the Diamondbacks, first oh, place. First amazing. place. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and and that's, I don't think that's necessarily an indictment on the Dodgers. I don't want to go that route. I want to say that the Diamondbacks have earned this situation that they're in. So you've got that team playing great. Cincinnati Reds are America's team right now with, Everything that they have done with the, the call-ups and, and the players, you got to love when the scouting department and the player development, they come together and they just hit a home run. And with so much of the talent coming up in Cincinnati and in Baltimore right now, it's just been great. Give me some of your takeaways on, on sort of the surprise and positive spin from the first half of the season. Yeah, Um well, speaking of Baltimore, I mean, that has just been, I want to be a fan of the Orioles this year. Like they're yeah. so exciting. Um, their position player core is unbelievable. And they're, they just keep calling up all their prospects. It's unbelievable. Westberg's up now. Uh, I think they called up Kowser a, a few. Mm-hmm. They did. I don't remember when exactly they did, but he hasn't played too much yet. I don't think. But Westberg's been doing really well. His strikeout rate is like elite. It's like only 13%. I know he hasn't played that long, but it's incredible so far. And um, Henderson, he's been doing well. He's been limiting ground balls. That's been a problem for him in the past. I mean, it's just unbelievable what they're doing. Rushman's like one of the best catchers in the game. They're just Mm -hmm. an exciting team. And they're coming after the Rays for first place. I was talking to my father earlier tonight, and he is a big he, he goes back, Oriole fan from the Brooks Robinson days. And he's talking about Adley Rutschman. And Adley has, and this is great because Baltimore's charm city. Adley sort of has that charm that Cal and Brooks and Eddie and all those other, you know, you know them by their first name kind of players. Adley's there. I mean, he... he He's a first name guy. He's yeah. he's he's already received achieved first name status in baseball, and he hasn't even played two full seasons yet. And I think it was brought up in the broadcast last night that since his call up about this time last year, the Orioles have the fourth best record in Major League Baseball. And now Adley's not the only one. The team's loaded with talent. You talked about a couple of the guys, and they've got more coming. But he sort of is that. It was that moment that you can pinpoint. This is when things turned around because even Dan Connolly, who covered the oars, goes back to his days with the sun and is now with the athletic or last I checked, he was with the athletic talked about the Orioles as a hundred loss team last year. And they turned it around. They finished with a winning record. And I thought they would have sort of a speed bump year. I thought this would be a good year. But they would go through and they would take some lumps and they would end up in a spot where they finished with right around the same number of wins as they did last year. It would kind of be a surprising disappointment, but still 
team's headed in the right direction. But they blew that. They they steamrolled over any any speed bumps, and they've been great. They just need to get some some pitching together, um, and and that that'll maybe even take them to a whole new level. Uh, a lot of what you do is break down and get into players. Um, you know, talking about sort of the analytics. You know, the you're looking at the players and and maybe changes in swings and stances and all that you do a great job of, of really breaking into the scouting of players is there somebody that of everything you've done this first half that really has stood out to you from a standpoint of maybe some changes that they made that are really paying off or somebody that is impressing you the most whether it's a pitcher whether it's a hitter whether it's from one of your you know somebody on your team or somebody outside of the race bubble is there somebody that You've done a breakdown or you've done research for that has just sort of stuck with you as God, this, I'm still amazed. I did all the research and I'm still amazed at what they're doing. Um, hmm. I have a couple of guys for this. Yeah. The, the first is Yandy Diaz. I have to pick a Ray always mm-hmm. for these questions. Please. It's <laughs> um, okay. He's been amazing. Yeah. I feel like he's just been like one of those guys that you wait for everything to get together because he's always had like the plus power, the really good, uh, like, you know, um, just like I said, the raw power, the um, zone control, like he walks, he doesn't strike out that much. He does everything right, but it's never like clicked the way that it has this season. Right. And I think he improved his hard hit rate to like 56% this year, which is the top 3% in baseball. Just unbelievable. So he's really been a pleasure to watch. And I prior to the start of the year, thought that the Rays were going to be relying on just Brandon Lau, Wander Franco, Wander Franco, sorry, uh, for their offense. But it, it's really turned into like a group effort with Diaz, like essentially leading the way. And then you have a Rosarena who's been paying more attention to like advanced scouting reports, trying to actually take in information that's given to him. That's gone a long way with him. And then even these like other guys, Luke Raley, who was a roster fringe last year, He's been doing unbelievable yeah. and like yes. Harold Ramirez, Isak Paredes, just it's, it's really coming together. And then I'd say the other one that come to my, came to mind when you said that question was um, George Kirby, mm-hmm. who he, I really liked him. Um, he has amazing command and control. Uh, and this year, what he's been doing is he's been like allowing himself to expand the zone with two strikes so he felt that last year he was kind of getting into holes because he would, you know, always throw in zone. And because of that, he was allowing hitters to get to the ball. But now he's experimenting with more chase. And I think that's really working out for him quite well. So we got George Kirby and Yandy Diaz. And again, yeah. anybody that has not yet, please make sure you check out Andrew Scalco report. The note on Kirby, too, to give anybody just sort of a a note on this uh, or a visual is I guess it, it, in your mind, a visual 45th percentile chase rate last year, this year he's up to 80th percentile with chase rate. So that has been something that definitely you're seeing that with the results. Let's, as we think about what's going to go down over the next couple of weeks with the trade deadline, uh, it's a, it's sort of a slow news uh, point here for Major League Baseball with 
a couple of days before we get games going again. The All-Star game's over. There's only so much you can talk about with the All-Star game because, again, it did not. It was not loaded with moments and storylines. The Home Run Derby had that. But that's old news now. Um, we had today, and I want to get your thoughts on this. And it kind of touches back to the Padres, and it gets to the Yankees, which you know, you've been a race fan. The Yankees are are close on your you know purview, your perspective. There, they're all around. Uh, all of us ALEs fans can't can't do anything without thinking about the Yankees in the back of our mind. Derek Jeter was on the set talking to the guys about what he would like to see the Yankees do at the trade deadline. And Juan Soto is somebody that I think Yankee fans have been dreaming about going and getting, whether it be at the trade deadline or when he's a free agent in a year and a half. And Derek Jeter, during the broadcast, talked about how if San Diego doesn't get hot, if they don't go on a run, that he would like to see the Yankees go for Juan Soto. And everybody on the on set was was like, ooh, oh, wow. Like, okay, let's 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 pump the brakes. All, all, all Jeter said was, I'd like to get Soto on the Yankees. He didn't say that Soto will be a Yankee. Your thoughts, though, my thought as a Blue Jays fan, I don't want him anywhere near the American League East. Even though I think the Yankees are flawed, they need more than just one guy. Juan Soto's on a team right now, chock full of superstars, and we see how that's working out. Your thoughts on on hearing that from Jeter talking about, you know, wanting Soto. Tiki and Tyranny talked about how Jeter's one of the most calculated uh, figures in New York sports, so he wouldn't just throw this out there willy-nilly. Your thoughts on, on the potential for Jeter? Yankees and Soto and that whole thing. What do you, what do your, what do you think about that? So my opinion on that is um, obviously I think that Soto would be a great fit for the Yankees because they've been desperate for outfielders all year. They've had so many injuries and they're kind of relying on these guys who are not guys that I would consider to be like sustainable for that position and certainly not on a championship club like the Yankees, like they should be having, you know, a much better stable performer in those positions. Um, in terms of whether I actually think they'll get him, I don't, I have my doubts because I am not confident that they actually have enough to trade for him uh, in their system. So well, that's kind of where I stand. Like, it, yeah, it would be nice to have Soto. And I think they, will likely inquire because why not? But I don't think it's something that's actually going to come to fruition. If you think about it, if you're AJ Preller and Brian Cashman calls and Brian Cashman is not including Jason Dominguez in the conversation, you just hang up. So the pieces to make that trade, because you have one less year, one less run than the Padres had when they unloaded the system to get Soto a year ago, you're not going to get that same return now, but even still, I don't know if the Yankees would be willing to part with the piece that I think they would need to part with to get that deal done. And that being Jason Dominguez, the Yankees have been holding their prospects close to them. They came in second last year for Luis Castillo. I think if a Juan Soto trade, uh, you know, if that does really spark up 
and and that sort of uh you know little little field fire turns into a a raging fire um an inferno if you will i think the yankees i i don't think the yankees would come with the strongest offer i think they would probably finish second or third again because they're just not they're not aggressive and it, i think it would be the right play like juan soto again he's one man this team needs to go out and get like two or three guys to improve things so that is that's my feeling on that we're kind of on the same page with that andrea tell the people that are listening where they can consume your content where can they find you give your uh twitter handle uh the, the website all of that where they can find your stuff at sure um so i'm at scout go report on twitter i um have also been uploading videos to youtube where i do like analytics and scouting breakdowns and i also recently started a monthly column at the athletic so you could check me out on there as well where i'm in the fantasy group but talking about it from like a a scouting angle based on my experience when i worked at the yankees so um yeah i'm mostly on twitter though so at Scott Gore Report. I'm thrilled that we could have you here to join and talk sports, talk baseball, talk this first half of the season. And I look forward to having you back on down the road, maybe as we get deeper into that second half and start getting some eyes on what the postseason might look like. We can have you back and we can talk more with you about that. Um, Andrea, I do appreciate you being here. And Everybody out there listening, I do appreciate you tuning in to the Barreled Up podcast. And you can find this pod wherever you get your podcast, including the free Odyssey app. Turn on those automatic downloads so you can get the app, app so you can get the episodes as soon as they drop. That's gonna do it for this one, everybody. Thank you for coming in. Andrea, thank you for being here. We'll catch you next time.